But you do will love it. Attention, attention, my black brothers. What I want y'all to do right now is take out the do-rag. The silky ties down. I want to see the waves glistening. If you got nappy hair, pick it. Don't let nobody discourage you. Ariel. I've been in my own little ass world. It's been really interesting. No, I think that is perfectly fine, like being in your own world. I think that's that's you. Yeah, um, but I hope that I can come out of that because you know, you do have to be a <laughs> member of, you know, society. You are I wish I could spend my life uh paying no attention. <laughs> paying no attention to uh what's going on around me but i can't so but that is very it's very helpful though when you are able to like tap in and out but you're saying you don't even tap in girl (laughs) i feel like i haven't been tapped in in a while like you Uh i feel like there have been a number of things where um you'll be like hey do you know about blah 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 and i'll be like Girl, no. Yeah. And I will not even, like, know the thing existed because, I don't know, like, I don't know where I'm living my life. I don't know, um, well, obviously, I know where I'm physically living my life, but <laughs> mentally, I don't know where I've been. Um, and that isn't to say that I've been in a bad space, um, even if I do yeah. have my bad moments, but it is to say that I have been disconnected. That's just, the I think, the most honest way um, and precise way I can put that. Yeah. Are you talking about, like, from media or just, like, life or just, like... I guess it would be from media, but you know what? What is life without media now? Like, what is... Who are we outside of our consumption and involvement in media? And that's probably why I feel so disconnected is because I'm trying to do so much of uh, being present, and I've yeah. physically removed myself from people I would normally be... Uh, present with and so um with having no active immediate uh community because i'm still building here in new orleans my mm-hmm. life is media and i don't have the energy to be on media all day every day yeah how do you feel about like ghosting like platonic and romantic relationships oh, I, what are your so thoughts? i think that platonic ghosting is completely uh unacceptable um i okay. i think you know me well enough now to know that I have not been in a space to prioritize romantic um, relationships. And Mm -hmm. so by not prioritizing them, I think I've honestly given them much um, uh, thought about how to respect them outside of, Mm. of course, like fidelity. So um, I don't feel strongly about ghosting people when you're dating them um, because I feel like it's it goes unsaid, right? It doesn't need to be said that if you actually have a commitment to a person, you should not ghost them. Um, Or that if you have been on the same page about how much time you're allotting each other and you just simply stop it, that's wrong. But I feel like people get really caught on that language and start applying it where it doesn't apply. And if we've been talking for two weeks and no, it doesn't go anywhere. Like, sure, everyone... Most people, I shouldn't say everyone, deserve an explanation like, hey, I'm not actually feeling this. Yeah. I'd like to stop, right? And people who say that you should do that are right. That is the courteous approach. But yeah. um, sometimes it just doesn't warrant. And sometimes it warrants the exact... Sometimes niggas is like really like toxic or some shit and you actually need to let them go. Yeah. I think for me, I, I've started to just like assimilate into the, the ghosting culture that is not who I am. 
I don't ghost. I've never have like thought that that was the best thing because that's where all my trauma came from. But I realized with dating and with relationships, I go in with the expectation that you're my boyfriend. I mean, sorry, I want you to be my boyfriend. I want you to be something long term. And when that expectation doesn't happen, I kind of am like, do I, do I, does, do you deserve for me to like formally like let you know that I don't want to talk anymore? Like I get into that conundrum, which I feel like we, everybody does deserve the right to know that romantically. But I think I get into this thing. I'm like, am I like going to make you feel bad about yourself or insecure? But then also, I'm going to make you feel the same way when I ghost you. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Like choosing not to do it to spare people's feelings is wrong. Um, because we only avoid doing it for our own um conscience. And yeah. I personally like know that as a person who's done it, it's not okay. Ghosting yeah. people because you're afraid to end things with them is not okay. Um yeah. again, a lot of us do it, but um it's the cowardly way out. I think that's a fact. I've seen um mm-hmm. op-eds about that and I agree. Um, and it, I struggle and I think a lot of Americans or people, I just only know Americans. Um, <laughs> I'm like, girl, are we talking, are we talking about, <laughs> you don't, you know, damn well, you only don't know Americans. Yeah. I'm sorry. I forgot. I was telling you. <laughs> your best friend. I know. I forgot. <laughs> my bad. Even Reese. <laughs> oh shit. Right. <laughs> Send your best friend. Is from I have whole connections in Costa Rica. I forgot about too. Yeah. Um, no, but I think uh, it's really difficult for a lot of us to uh, be honest about rejecting other people because we know we don't like to be rejected. We don't necessarily want to be the one to reject someone else. Um, but nonetheless, we do it. Um, we do it. But you know, yeah. again, there are people who like are abusive and simply Absolutely. like don't yeah. deserve a goodbye. Like. I'm exit. I'm excommunicating you from my life because even if I try to end this with you, if you try to manipulate me into staying, now I have. Now mm-hmm. I'm dealing with an uncomfortable situation. I think this is what people overlook when they talk about ghosting, because there yeah. are absolutely instances where you do not owe anyone an explanation, and when they have been habitually yeah. harmful to you, that is one of them. I do not owe yeah. you an explanation after I, you have repeatedly put me in harm's way. So there's that. How's that? Well, we gonna get into some more stuff, but. What is up, everybody? It is your boy, Lord Devree. And I'm Derwin King. And welcome back to another episode of That Black Boy Joy, where we create a space where Black boys can be themselves and... So much more. Girlies, girls, gays, and days, guys, gays, and days, all of that in between. We are back, y'all. What's back, back, back again? It is your boy, and it is your girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I like it. I roll in the The makeup. It's what it's giving. I'm not saying girl because of the makeup, but you just look so gorgeous, sister. Thank like, you. Is this, was this for anything or is it just um, like- No, you know, I wanted to do a regular cut crease when I woke up this morning. Um, I went to work today and yes. um, I thought that this was going to be a lot simpler. Um, and as I started going in, because of the way that I started doing it, I realized um, I was going, I was doing a really dramatic one. And then it was yeah. giving more glam than it was abstract. And so I was like, oh, I probably have to commit to this now. And then, you know, 30 minutes turned into an hour. And I was like, <laughs> that looks like it's an hour work. That looks Thank like you. a Brennan probably can do. Like when I say it looks like it's hour work, it just looks like you took time to make sure to do it. When you hopped on, I was like, and you know, my mom, this fucking at five o'clock 
fucking hat and my face. This is my makeup right here. A hat and a beard <laughs> and some oil. So I'm like, yeah, but you look great as you usual. Doing? Thank I'm you. doing okay. Um, I feel uh, I feel fine. <laughs> I probably need to eat at some point. Um, huh. Have you ever <laughs> eaten? You know, I sometimes Bitch. this is the one thing I, I this is the one thing I really am still struggling to do is be busy and still take care of myself. Um, mm. But I mean, I'll figure it out because I'm going to keep working on it. But I feel good. I feel I feel good. That's good. Uh, same. I. I've been, like, I don't want to say I've been quarantining myself, but that hasn't been the case. But, like, during the weekdays, I stay in the house so much now. Like, I have really? to remind myself to get out to, like, get some fresh air. Just because, like, I am so used to being by myself and just, like, used to being in my house. On the weekends, it's different. You know, weekends. Book, no sleep. Next club, another club, no sleep. But when I'm, like, home, I'm, like, recuperating and I'm, like, gathering myself and recharging my... Uh, body for the week because i know the weekend i'm gonna probably be moving around so i've been in the house a lot but i've also been like applying for jobs because i'm trying to get out before my job tries to get me out because i don't know what they're trying to do but yeah i'm just like enjoying the time that i have for myself but today's episode we are going to dive into all things derwin y'all we're going to get to know a little bit about who he is you already know some stuff about him but this episode we want you all to get to know Devin derwin Four. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I've been better. You see, I've been really, yeah, absolutely, really absolutely. So absolutely. before we get into that, of course, we are going to get into our Black Boy Joy Spotlight for the week. And I'm personally a fan of this one because I'm a huge fan of this show. Derwin may not know this; I doubt that he does. But this week's Black Boy Joy Spotlight goes to Xavier Prather. So Xavier is the first Black winner of the CBS hit show big brother (gasps) oh we have a winner yes we have first black winner first black male winner in 23 seasons which is really iconic he's literally the first person ever yes the first black person to ever win that's what i mean we've had we've had a filipino uh win we've had um someone of asian descent we have so i think we had someone that was like cuban we've not had (laughs) nobody that was black so that was like really exciting. We also had a black guy that was second place. So he got so Xavier was able to take home seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars for winning. Um, Big nice. Brother basically congratulations, Big Brother. Xavier. Yeah, what Big Brother is, you go, you're in a house for eighty days, um, three months, and you are trying to be the last one standing. It's like a social, emotional, mental type of game. So he got first place. Second place was um, Derek Frazier. So that is. Um, Joe Frazier's uh, son, um, he got $75,000, and he's black. And then America's favorite vote was Tiffany. Um, I cannot pronounce, I do not know Tiffany's last name, but Tiffany won America's favorite um, house guest, and she got $50,000, which usually is $25,000, but she got fifty. So this season, we had all of our winners were black. They also made history for being the first um, alliance to have all six of the black <laughs> house guests make it to the final six, which was historical, and I absolutely loved that, and I was excited to see that. So I just want to shout out Xavier because being in the house for eighty days with no cameras, and I mean, sorry, with no and outside connections, 
It's very challenging. And the fact that he was able to be the first black winner, I'm really, really proud of him. So shout out to Xavier. Show him some love on his social medias and all that. Also, please give grace because, you know, being in that house for 80 days, please don't be trolling people out here, y'all. You know, we love to troll, but we're not going to do that for him. So shout out to Xavier. <laughs> and we're going to get into our hot topics. And yes. my first one is just simply put that Cynthia and Portia are no longer going to be housewives on season 14 or just like the how they're not going to be housewives on season 14 so i don't know about moving forward but yes i saw cynthia coming it was absolutely her time to go um regardless of that i am certainly going to miss cynthia being on my tv i do Mm -hmm. know she did the trip uh the like it's yeah. not an all-stars uh, season they have of the OGs um, from the housewife, various Housewives mm-hmm. franchises. Um, but I'll be sad that, you know, the Real Housewives of Atlanta, which is the first, um, I think, is a lot of our first installments of the show. Like, a lot of us yeah. would not be watching any Housewives installment if it weren't for um, Atlanta. And I can certainly say that for myself. Um, and my viewership is older than Cynthia's time on the show. So I can remember before and, you know, whatever will become of post-Cynthia. But I think she deserves her goodbyes from the people. She has given us so many moments. The people call Cynthia boring a lot, but one thing about it, okay? Sis gave us... She was a pretty girl. She was a gorgeous girl. And she gave us some moments. Her, I will never forget... Good morning, Miss Kenya. What to go on? <laughs> what to go on? What to go on? <laughs> I was like, what is this Jamaican accent that you're giving? So bad. So bad. Yeah, it was and bad. Then, what the reunion, which reunion where she had the white on and she was going in, I think she was going in uni. Was she going in? Win a case. It was win that Phaedra. No, it was win that Phaedra when she was like, when I was like, girl, you are bold, honey. Coming from I the head doctor, was... you would know. <laughs> so how do you feel about Portia? Mm. What do you thoughts about oh my girl P? P that actually surprised me because I thought that she was just pulling stunts to get more money yeah. um, when she said that she possibly, when they said she possibly wasn't coming back. Yeah. And I think I saw the comment that Candy thought that that was. Oh, girl, hold on. Little Nas X just looked really good. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, let, me, let me see him, girl, pull him up. Oh, girl, hold on. Let me. Girl, the. the, the... Oh, yeah. Look at that bust. Mm-hmm. That, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm paying attention. I just literally just. I. I is it weird that I like he's a I have a not a crush, but like you won't call crush. it a crush. That man is crone. He is, but it's just so You're not even 30 yet for this to be I'm weird. Not, sis, I get I like, like you know, 22 is young, and like I'm not saying I'm chasing out after 22 year olds <laughs> here, so I feel the strangeness, but like you thinking that that boy is cute is literally a non-issue. I know. And now we're going to get into this later. You know, clearly we just casually kiki in the day. But I want you to finish about the housewives and then we can... Oh, yeah, you know, I just, I think Candy thought that that, um, that that's what Portia was doing as well, that she was just trying to negotiate and that she would ultimately decide to stay. I think it's very clear that the show is kind of like riding on her back right now because Candy ain't giving us nothing. Um, And honestly, who are we going to look at if Kenya doesn't have Portia to antagonize? Because Kenya don't have, because even last season was uh, really embarrassing for us. Kenya. <laughs> Kenya has last nothing season. to offer us. She looked at me. She looked at me last season when she was like just like coming for um, Drew and just like picking on people. I was like, you don't even have like a relationship with these people to like make them feel like, you know, Nene, we knew Nene and her was going back and forth. We knew her and Porsche was going back and forth. But like the fact that she just was like, 
she's it's like she didn't have anything for her. Yeah, like she's miserable. Like I don't know how yeah. she's feeling now. So, I, and I think she has things to do. She's doing dance with the she's stars. She's doing dancing so with the stars. Busy, but I will see if Real Housewives will have their fourteenth uh, season. And if they do, they're gonna have to pull out some. I was talking to Omar about this, and I think that they should choose not to get another entertainer in. But at the same time, I also think they need big names for people to actually keep watching. So it's going to be really difficult for them to get someone who is well-known in Atlanta, who is not um, in the entertainment industry. And the only reason why I say it shouldn't be someone in the entertainment industry is because I just really think they should do everything in their power to not make this any other Atlanta-like reality show. That's not yeah. Bravo, right? Like, we've got Married to Medicine, and I love that because that comes with a yeah. level of, like, I'm not going to call it sophistication, but oh. there's a line. <laughs> there's, there's a line. A line but, but you also see the business part of these women. With Married to, I mean, with married to Medi- Medicine, last season specifically with the pandemic was perfect for their stories because they were all in the health field, yeah. right? Well, that so should... we got to see the... No, go ahead. That, that, yeah, no, I was just saying, like, that was a perfect last season. I feel like it was a great season to highlight both the personal and the professional lives. We don't get that opportunity with Atlanta Housewives because a lot of the house, A, a lot of people are not housewives. B, a lot of the drama is unfolding, like, at parties and, like, all of those things. So we're not really getting to see, like, professional things. We see when people are, like, putting on events for the show, right? But we just weren't seeing a lot of that, that blend. It was just like, huh, there's the drama. Some Kenya trying to start a hair care line, or here come Portia with a a, a a bed comforter line. Like it just was like they're with these women already had careers before the show. And yeah. No, I think so. you're right. I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, and I think if they like kind of, and I hope this doesn't sound awful. Um, I want them to steer away from the music industry, and I think that's what mm. would get it closest to love and hip hop. Um, because I mean, we got Candy, and we lucked out with Candy because. Candy actually has things going for herself, so she really yeah. does stay away from drama if she can, um, which gives her a good balance. Because that doesn't mean she's never a part of it, or she doesn't have you know these interesting moments. But yeah. we have been fortunate enough to, up until they brought that girl on there, whatever Latoya forever, um, avoid getting yeah. real close to love and hip hop. But we, <laughs> we, we on the so I, yeah. They're going to have to get some, like, rich yeah. people versus famous people. There are a lot of people whose names we only know because of the housewives, right? Yeah. And Nini's a great example of that. Nini we need more people example. who are not already in an industry who actually have it. We want to see. Potomac. Yeah. The only person I think in Potomac that we would have known without being introduced to is Giselle. Yeah. Because crazy Giselle was... Because I'm like, who would we have known? But Giselle. Giselle, Giselle because she's Giselle. married to Jamal. And Jamal is a very well-known philanderer. So, um, <laughs> I mean, he is. <laughs> so they need to, they probably do need to start from scratch, but they need to find interesting women. Yeah. They have to find I, people who are interesting. So I did hear that they are getting like a professional, like, a, I mean, I think a Olympian. 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 And then also I heard like Akon's, one of Akon's other wives. We're going to be trial for the show. That and then Sheree. Um, and then of course Rue. And then Kenya. And then uh Candy. And then I even heard that Marlo is finally getting a peach. 
Yeah, I think that's sad. Uh, I think she definitely. I think they her. desperate desperate times come for a desperate measure. <laughs> they probably could have given her a peach last year. Honestly, yeah, I don't know why they, they didn't. I would have preferred that they give her a peach last year versus bringing on Latoya. And Latoya. I think that that She's season would have been okay without Latoya. And maybe if they had found someone better than Drew, I don't know. Whoever's doing casting sucks. I, I, it's no drama. The drama is. I'm not saying they need to have drama. Like Potomac, even right now, it's kind of stale. But you Even know though it is one thing about cute. it is their producers are great. Can this last episode when when can when um Karen was in that bitch and it was all that shit was happening? I was like, bitch, she's in a fun house. I <laughs> fell out. I was downstairs screaming. <laughs> no, I genuinely was watching she said, that what TV. What are these like, girls doing? And you watch Wendy, <laughs> and you and then Candace. <laughs> <laughs> Reasonably. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a lot of chaos in that damn front of that oh rick the raggedy construction house can i say that the house literally looks like it's three parts of nothing like they just do whoever was the contractor have been separate people like she has <laughs> hired three different people to make this damn disney's disney house it looks like a disney house to me just i don't know what she's doing she has no vision. She, she should have gotten someone to coordinate that stuff for her and been like this is what i want can you make it happen but tastefully yeah also i need me to stop calling people broke and boss like I need a loser. i'm gonna call my best friend i thought i liked her but then she keeps saying you're not a boss well she was like i'm not coming to things that are you know um that are um not professional or unorganized i said you're low budget oh, i think she called low it low budget i was like yeah, uh, me as a loser. Um, I wasn't gonna call her a loser because I was giving her the benefit of the doubt, but um, she pulled that stunt on social media yesterday, and um, she, yeah. So she, you know what? Sure, someone who's running her social media account could have said the things that they said to a scholar that warranted a scholar's um response, which was, which commented on her not needing to build a relationship with her mother. Which, if you guys don't know, um, uh, the relationship between Mia and her mother is strained because her mother was in prison. Um, so mm-hmm. she's home now, and they are trying to rebuild or whatever. Mia said something to us about us living with her, her or not having her, yeah. money. Yeah, and it was stupid. And so it warranted a response, and she got one. And then she says that someone is managing her social media, and she fired them, and she's looking for new help. As, even though she yeah. takes responsibility for these comments, she wants someone who better represents her. But I've also been watching, okay, I've never watched the show, but I am watching The Voice now. Why? Because of Ariana Grande. Mm-hmm. And I'm thoroughly impressed yeah. with Ariana's personality. However, mm-hmm. she is probably tired of people like putting her on this high pedestal. She has imposter syndrome, I do believe, um, because like every time she comes out, everybody's just yelling her name. And all that stuff like that, which I thought was very awkward to like. Yeah, it would make be me feel part weird. of a show. She's part of a show now, like you know, she's not like this an ensemble type of thing. She's not an ensemble. She's not like a special guest. She's the you know, host. So I. Well, no, no, no. I'm. She, she's supposed to be sharing that with the f- three other hosts, right? Yes, but yes, she is. But however, the people that are coming to see the show, yeah, like myself. <laughs> also, when she when she turns. I want to say eight times out of ten, they're going to her. Yep. Like, I think right now she has the highest amount of, in the blind blind audition. She has the most. I think she has 13 or 14 um, 
blind auditioned like contestants so far and i think like uh kelly has like nine i think uh um john legend has like 10 i think like blake has like 12 but like it's just very interesting seeing and i think they have two more days of blind auditions but it's just so interesting seeing like people like as soon as she turns i want i want her what happens she's young she's relevant what happens after they do blind auditions so they do battles. So then they compete. So the people in their teams compete against each other so that they would be like, I think, the forefront or the face of her team. So they, they to my knowledge, I have not watched this show. I do not know what happened. I know blind auditions. I know they have battles. Now, bitch, I don't, I never watched the show except for like when I see snippets. So this would be the first time I know what is happening. And I'm only here because my girl Ariana is sitting on one of them damn things. And I just want to get to know her more. I feel like we have not got the opportunity to see her personality a lot as much. Like I wanted to see that in the the Thank You Next documentary. Like you know how Beyonce does her like very personal type of things, where we Ariana was not like that. It was very, but also. No, <laughs> I think um, Ariana. I. I guess she had to have uh, some interest in letting us in about who she is a little bit because she is doing the show. But I often wonder how much of herself she's been trying to like conceal. Um, mm. I think uh, it'd be, I can only imagine her sort of like feeling slightly uncomfortable about people like screaming her name in this ensemble cast because of her like um, anxiety she has or whatever. She most followers on Instagram in the world, I think. Yeah. Like, I think she literally is between her and like, Think like Kylie Jenner or Selena Gomez or Taylor Swift. It's a football player, like a football player, somebody in like Spain or something. I think she has the most followers, or that guy Luca Castro. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. I thought I said Luca Castro. I don't know who that is. 15.81 million. And that's how much she has. How much does she have? Uh, Ariana Grande. Instagram I know she followers. She has. I can definitely look it up as well. Two hundred thirty-eight million followers. Oh, she not even compare. She not near him. But in the U.S., she oh, has yeah, the most that. followers. So she um, I don't like watching those shows, but I am putting. I am having to put an effort not to like find a way to watch them because. I do love and support Ariana Grande, um, and I am interested to hear all the great voices that I'm sure will arise because of it. And I would love to see how she interacts with these people, like shaping and yeah, helping. She's like, so young too. Because don't they coach them? Yeah, she's a coach, so I'm also interested in that too. I'm like, okay, let's see you. Like she does a little bit. Like she's like complete episode. She like gives little snippets because she's like she explains that she's very particular about what she wants, and she also doesn't want. She wants to know if you have control of your voice, which I was like. Hmm. She right, wants to have hard. diction. Yeah, she wants you to be able to have diction. Hmm. Diction, girl. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, all right, and girl. Also, okay, girl. I was like, you know, I love my girl. You know, I, 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 we love her. We, you know, we love Ariana. We have our dance parties, honey. And also, she. But I got love for D so deep inside me. <laughs> <laughs> Only one. <laughs> That was only one, right? No, that one was you remember, um, baby I and when we couldn't tell oh, if she was I saying I've got love D. for thee or love for yeah. D as in dick, and we were this like, It can't is, be dick. Yeah, this is the part when I say I don't want you. I'm sure Girl, that's still not the right song. No, I know that's a different song, but she uh, said, Oh, okay, I was racing. And and like um 
are? She said something like, you're... Oh, who I really are. Yeah, I said, who I really are? Yeah, no, they forced that rhyme. Yeah, but is she also looking for contestants that are not singing, that are singing songs that they can sing and not, like, trying to be, like, Adele or something? Well, that's interesting because that is a level i think of skill that singers should have like what songs should you be are suited for your voice and you don't think that you don't think about that being a part of like what makes a good singer you Mm -hmm. actually do have to know your voice um i think that's something a lot of us who are not professional singers um don't realize is that like being a singer is more than producing a pretty sound like how well do you know use and flex your voice and take care of your voice And she also gives like people packages of like throat lozenges and like things to keep their voice and stuff, which is cute because everybody has like a little thing they give their guests. But that makes so much sense. I'm watching the show and there's so many people that can sing. Like yeah. on that show versus like American Idol, you actually see contestants can sing, but they still won't turn around. It's because you can hear when somebody's trying too much. You can hear when somebody is, you know, trying to sound like Beyonce or trying to sound like the song that they're singing instead of adding. Like for example, I think somebody tried to sound like Ariana. And she was like, I didn't turn because it didn't sound like you were trying to be you. You were trying to be me. Eh, no, that's right, bitch. Let me go find that I, clip. I want to see it. I was like, it. ooh. <laughs> you, you think, I, I, next time, just be you. Like, like so, but then there's also people that have sung her song. And she's like, I, you sang it better than I did. I was like, yeah. Period. So if y'all like The Voice, if y'all want to get to know Ariana, please watch The Voice. Also, if you all want to know what is going on with the housewives and all that stuff, please check it out. Get on Twitter. There's so many people on Twitter that just hashtag housewives. Oh, I think yeah, the honey, Peach we Daily, got a community. The Peach Daily, Potomac, you know, hashtag R, uh, RHLP. You'll find out all of that stuff. Sorry about that, uh, dog, y'all. No, it's okay. We be, we be having all things. I think my computer is like literally sounding like I'm in a fan over here. Do you hear my, my stuff? I couldn't. Oh, good. Ooh, I can hear it. But it's like it's because I have my charger in and it's like probably like working because I'm like, we're using this. But all right, girlies, we are going to get into the meat and potatoes. The reason we are here today is because it's Derwin's day. So you all know a couple of weeks ago, um, I had the opportunity to be interviewed by Derwin and we were like, and I was like, and he was like, and they was like. (laughs) Let's do Zerwin. So here we are. And we're going to chit-chat he a little bit, have this conversation. I want them to get to know you and all that some more. I think we do this like by, like, we do this like often. What? We our guests. We get like, we like just randomly like interview each other. Just like, just. Yeah, I like it. We don't have a script usually. I love asking you questions. It's, it's yeah. a good, I think I like asking people questions in general. Um, Just because like co- talking to people is fun. Conversations are great. It is. It is. I think that's the thing about this platform. Is first of all, shout out to all our supporters this week. We definitely were getting so much love, and people were just like, "Tell us that we definitely yeah. have created a space for creatives." So we definitely love you all noticing that, and even also our guests have mentioned that to us. But we always like we forget sometimes that we're like even it's the platform, right? We just turn on and we just like casually key with each other because this is what me and Darwin do with each other. But I want to know, and I, I think the listeners would love to know, and viewers, what made you move to New Orleans? As we know, you've relocated. You're not over here in the DMV anymore. You're in New Orleans. Yeah. So what made you move? Uh, good question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I moved because something wasn't working. Um, I happened to be 
I don't know if it's a result of my 20s or if it's just like the space that I'm in now, but I felt like I had done all the things I felt moved to do physically in the DMV and I could not imagine, um, you know, the next five years there. Um, and I wasn't sure where I would go or how I was going to get there. Um, but I had sat and, you know, I, th- I think I said I was thinking about it for, you know, 2020 about where I would go next. Yeah. And Houston was on that list. New Orleans was on that list. And um, Atlanta was on that list. And of the three, yeah. what I wanted to do was go to the place that was most affordable first um, mm-hmm. to allow myself to just sort of like really get to know who I am now um, and what I want and then save uh, my money. And then do whatever comes after that. Um, and ideally work remotely so that like the strings aren't holding me down in any particular place until I'm ready to be held down. I, mm-hmm. I'm not going to, you know, act like it's I'm incapable of feeling connected to a place, but I haven't so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and my friend Eli, who I went to high school with and we've been close friends since then, um, was already here and his lease was up and he was like, Hey, um, this is an option. Like, you don't, you certainly obviously don't have to come here, but if you do want to get out of there, um, I have an immediate solution for you. Um, mm. and I was like, you know what? Sure. Well, I think I sat on it for a while cause I wasn't yeah. sure. Um, and then things were going weird with my job and I was like, you know what? You really don't have anything to lose at this point. Um, yeah. so, you know, you could, you could go. And I sat on it and I thought on it and um, I was like, yeah, I'm going to give it a try. And how has it been? I know you moved during a, the pandemic, the like, yeah. you know, pandemic, but also the hurricane, was it Ida? Hurricane Ida? Yeah, Hurricane Ida. Yeah, Hurricane Ida also had hit New Orleans around the time you were starting to get situated. So how was that for you to move and then have to slightly or temporarily <laughs> relocate? <laughs> yeah, that was weird. It was so strange because I hadn't been here but for like three and a half weeks I, by the time that Ida came. And no one knew that Ida was coming. Um, we didn't know until three days beforehand. Um, now, obviously, I didn't move to New Orleans without thinking of the possibility of hurricane. hurricanes hit yeah. New Orleans every year. Um, but I uh, thought I'd have a little bit more time to prepare Ida was inconvenient. It was not destructive for where I am. I have met people um, who I really enjoy who've told me that it was destructive in their lives. And I think that that is uh, super unfortunate. And I've really been um, praying for them since then. Um, And I mean, I was out of electricity for nine days, but that was the brunt to which um, we experienced any sort of quote unquote destruction. But it was very inconvenient, <laughs> and it yeah. did cause a shift. Uh, there were things that got pushed back and all of that. Um, I will say that it did not cause an immediate like regret in my deciding to move here, and I think that that was something that people who knew that the hurricane was coming um, kind of like, they didn't say it, but they were sort of implying, like, I wonder if you're, like, regretting moving there now, mm-hmm. and the answer was no, because, again, I knew that uh, a hurricane would come. And I know that the media had done a good job of connecting um, Hurricane Ida to Katrina since it did strike 16 yeah. years after the on the day of. Um, but it did wow, not cause the destruction. Wow. Yes, on August 29th, 2005. And then again on August 29th, 2021. Yes. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That is crazy. It was on the anniversary. That's when Hurricane Ida came through here. But- 
thankfully, it wasn't as devastating yeah. as Hurricane Katrina was. I, Absolutely. I, I definitely know my mother had to, like, come back from her trip. I think she was, like, flying through, like, Jamaica and was through into New York. All these things. And I, she had to be delayed. And I was, like, nervous. I was, like, oh, my gosh, she's near water in Jamaica. They're, like, she's fine. <laughs> I was, like, what? Oh, yeah, Jamaica so, was fine. Yeah, I don't but know If she had why. been in Haiti, that would have been different. It was. But I, I'm glad that you had the courage to move. Mm. And I know that's a thing that a lot of people have, you know, take, take it's something that's very serious people, right? To relocate when you're leaving home. Because you most of your family is here in, in the DMV, All of correct? my family, yeah. All, um, all of your family is here. In the DMV so with, between the three. Um, yeah, so how was that for them when you decided to be like, I think it's time for me to up and go? So my family has always understood, um, or at least my sister has said explicitly that she's understood that I was never going to stay. Um, she didn't know where, I mean, much like myself, she didn't know where I would go, but she knew I would leave. And she knew that I would go somewhere that wasn't like a, you know, a drive away. Um, yeah. At least not a, a fun one <laughs> or a quick one. Um, so it wasn't a surprise to anyone. I think they just didn't expect for it to happen as soon as it did. Uh, I gave everyone pretty much about a month or two, I think a month's notice, um, because I was very strategic not to tell anyone I was leaving until I knew I was, which was after mm. I had gotten housing. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I don't announce moves um, until they're set because I just feel like, you know, people don't intentionally miss you, um, wish you harm or you know, plot against your plans. Right. You know, and I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves when we do stuff like that, when we tell people that things are going to happen before they do. Um, And, you know, if something does fall through, that's beyond our control. We like to attribute that to, you know, oh, well, I guess because I told like superstition. Right. So it's probably out of superstition that I chose not to tell anyone that I was going. Yeah. And I think it's also when you start to tell people your actions and your move, that is something that people check in with you about a lot. And that I feel like there becomes this like priority or that this like this pressure, not, this pressure. Yes. Pressure for you to mm-hmm. actually execute. Come on, Ari. Yeah. Um, Lennox. <laughs> Lennox. Um, that pressure to do it. Right. So if I come and be like, hey, Derwin, so I know that you're moving. How is the What's going on with that process? That pressure may, you know, yeah. come into it. So I do see when people be like, it's better to move in silence. Because it's also when people see that you do do these things and it's not like action, action speak louder than words. And it's like, yes. oh, he wasn't, you know. So I, think I mean, um, I think the other thing about that too, right, is like, yeah, it's polite and um, shows that I care about people for me to let them know that I'm leaving. And which is why I told um, the people that I was brave enough to tell um, yeah. a month's notice ahead of the people I didn't tell so quickly were people I was, you know, afraid to to. Not necessarily yeah. afraid, but I knew it would cause um, tears between the two of us. So, yeah. um, but that's, <laughs> I know that it is polite to tell people these things. So I did, but <laughs> I live my life for me, right? Oh. Like I'm not making these decisions um, under the impression or expectation that people are watching. I live my life because I'm the one who has to experience it. So regardless yeah. of how anyone felt about it, good or bad if i was leaving i was leaving <laughs> i was gone. um and that doesn't mean that people's opinion doesn't opinions don't matter but it does mean that like i can't let those matter to a point where it would stop me from doing something that i feel is right if i'm mm. wrong i'm wrong right like let's let's 
this could go completely awry and I could yeah. be right back in Maryland. And mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is I have home. I have a home. So if yeah, things okay. did go completely awry, yeah, I would be back in Maryland. And I'm not going to see that as a failure. I mean, I may not be happy about it and I may even be depressed about it for a little while. But the fact of the matter is I have home. Yeah. Um, I think that's important to yeah. um, to acknowledge that. I think that's the same thing I deal with. Ah, something, something crawl on me? I don't know. Sorry. Weird. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. It bugs. Uh, <clears throat> I have that privilege as well. Is like if I'm from, if I, I have the opportunity to, if things do not work out here, I can move back to Ohio. Yeah. Yes. Because I have home there, and I think that that is okay. And I think we often think that when we relocate back to where we started, mm. it is failure. It is, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. When in reality, there's just so many things that can affect you in those spaces, specifically like my, your mental health, loneliness, mm. isolation. Like, I also want to ask you, how do you deal with, like, I know you, you've met some amazing friends out there. You also have Eli. But how do you deal with, the conversation or the notion of loneliness and isolation in a space that you're not as familiar with compared mm. to home. Good question. Um, I have, I'm no stranger to loneliness um, or to feeling alone. Um, and so I have a lot of pr- practice of dealing with it. Um, and, you know, you can never be, that feeling you can never beat loneliness you can um and when i say beat it i mean like defeat it so that it never comes back you will always be revisited yes but to remind ourselves of the ways in which we're not lonely the ways in which love shows up for us the ways that we have Mm -hmm. access to the people who we love um i hug myself if i feel physically lonely um i know that i've said before that i don't like cuddling and i think that's still true but that doesn't mean that i don't like physical affection you know um i do love a hug i love hugs hugs are the most comforting things i think i've ever experienced and um i try to give them in the same way so um i try to do that um i reach out to to friends um i think one thing where i could do better about is trying to fill my loneliness void up with friends um and that doesn't because i'm one thing about me I don't call just anyone a friend, um, but I am. I want to connect to people, so I want intimacy with uh, yeah. friends, and I feel like I might sometimes, um, historically this is, um, not pay attention to immediate red flags because of that. Yeah. Whereas with a partner, I'm like, that's a red flag. Like on This is different. It's so crazy how much clarity I have for one versus the other. I wonder what it's like to be a bitch who ain't got no friends but stay with a man. With Whether a that be the same relig- like the same uh, relationship for five years or it be one every couple, right? I wonder it's what so it's weird. like to do that. Because that's not me. Weird. Right. It's not I, me. I don't know if it's just me, right? I treat my relationships platonic or romantic the same. Hmm. Right? I don't know if I if that's weird, but no. I not at all. I, I give you the same energy. The only difference that we have is I'm laying down with you at night. I, I was going to say, what's the difference? The only difference is we are being intimate together. We are Sexually. in our sexual, yeah, we are being very, yeah, intimate with your friends platonically and all that stuff like that. But like, I'm physically giving you my body. So I always see, ask, want to see 
how people can differentiate because people can honestly feel that way and do it. And I'm always like, girl, how do you always have a nigga with no friends? Like, how, or vice versa? Or how do you have, well, never mind. I, I, no. I have friends yeah. with no nigga. <laughs> Why do I always, no, that's a question to ask. And it's a question I've been asking myself lately. And when I have a answer for you, I will be more than glad to share it. Um, I think friends are easy to see as family in a way that your romantic, for me, romantic partnerships feel like their own, very special, very unique, and very profound mm-hmm. box or category, yeah. right? Like, yeah. who will know you better than the person that you commit to? Yeah. Yeah. How do you, what did you learn? So we have on this journey with the platform, you have told us about your relationships that you've been a, been a part of or situations we can say or interactions. What did you learn about yourself in those moments that you were intimate with? I, I have tremendous respect for partnership. Um, mm. I learned that I value commitment. I don't think mm. low or less of it. I value it tremendously and hold it to super high esteem. Um, and for that reason, I am very slow to it um, and want to be sure. And I want to be certain and intentional about who I decide to engage in that with. How would you describe your personality in one word? Or uh, oh, one? one word. If there's more than one word, how would you describe yourself? Eclectic. Mm, you have a lot of words. That's the reason why I had to narrow this bitch down. Because you literally are a person that can one word cannot expl- exp- explain you. And I was mm. trying to see how that would be for you to give yourself one word. I challenged myself to pick one word and so I copped out and chose the word that means everything. <laughs> oh, you did. You did. I, I want to know, you talked about how you, your relationships with your friends, oh, everybody a friend. How do you know someone is worthy or someone mm-hmm. has the opportunity for them to be called a friend to you? What I have learned from my experiences since college, because that was the first time that I was meeting new people who um, would become lifelong friends or not, um, is that time will tell. Um, so you, there are people, you know, you start that first year of college and it's like, oh my God, I'm going to love these people forever. And then like half the people you meet that year, you just like don't keep in contact with. Yeah. Um, I started to realize that... Um, I started to see a pattern in my behavior or at least in the way that I saw things. Um, And I thought that, you know, because I bonded with someone early on, that that would mean that we would be friends, right? That we were going to really be close friends. But um, I have had a couple of experiences um, that taught me otherwise. So discernment, um, there are, Certain traits or behaviors, I think, that people exhibit that show that they're not someone you necessarily need to trust. But I've also learned you have to give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, So in my juggling how to maintain the relationships I already have, 
um, by being honest with them about when they make me feel a certain way. I've learned yeah. that the best way to cultivate a new and lasting friendship is to be aware of those red flags, communicate those red flags so that they can be fixed. You have to give someone an opportunity to fix them first. If they mm-hmm. show it to be a pattern, a pathology, then you realize this person is not a friend for me. Yeah. If they fix it, they want to be friends with you. Or yeah. maybe it was a one-off and it'll never happen again. That is true. Do you give the same, how do you, like, how do you know someone is worthy to be a partner? Um, I do go through that same process. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, the stakes feel higher for me um, Mm -hmm. because you merge your life with a partner. Yeah. Like this isn't, that's why we use that word, that partner. Like I'm now doing life with you. Um, yeah, we coexist, yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. we're going to make decisions together. You know, um, I'm going to let you into almost every part of my life. Of course, we have to keep things for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I go through the same process, but I'm a lot more strict about it. And there are certain mm-hmm. things that I simply won't stand for to begin with. Yeah. Um, come on. I think that you... The great thing about you as well is I think that you have allowed yourself to grow and take time for yourself. You know, a lot of people oftentimes feel like they have to be in a relationship or we have to, including myself, you know, but you have always set forth and always been intentional. When I first met you, you were, you know, celibate. You were like, I'm not dating right now. I'm looking for this in a person and if these expectations are not going to give then I'm not going to you know so so I think that you spent some time and of course we all grow and you're not you haven't stopped growing but I think that you are you've been someone that I've seen that has been intentional with giving yourself that time to realize to be in a relationship and then you get in one and then you're like wait okay let me take some more time back let me hold on Okay, I thought I was ready. I thought I had the girls, you know, shook, but... In in that first relationship, I was ready. Um, Mm. I was very, very ready. And um, I found that my partner was not ready in the way that I was. Yeah. um, I remember taking... Oh, yes. Yeah. I remember taking responsibility for possibly rushing him, um, which he said... I can't really be rushed into anything, which, um, and I can't say that I know, you know, what's going on or what was going on in his head or anything like that. But when he said, I can't be rushed into anything, what I heard was my ego is a lot of what the problem is here because something went wrong and he wasn't able to speak to what went wrong. And I was. And I think maybe we did choose to commit to each other too quickly. And then the pandemic happened, of course. And if he had been honest with himself, I think he would have been able to admit that as well. Um, But because I was the person who, who proposed that we end up, you know, committing to each other, I was the person who took responsibility for the rushing happening, happening in the first place. Mm, yeah. But you know, I wanted to. I wanted a relationship with him. I wanted to see, you know, what would come of it. Um, and it just. I mean, it didn't work, which was fine. 
That is okay. You live and you do you with the relationship. I think we yeah with this with that relationship. Did you take time to reflect on what happened? Ooh. Yeah, or did it took you, a lot of a lot of time. Um, I never do anything without reflecting for a while. I always want to know how I can learn or what needs to be learned from any situation, especially one that does not end well. Yeah. Um, and what I reflected on is that um, it is not my role, nor should it be my goal, to therapize anyone or get to the bottom of their psyche. Um, and that isn't Ooh, to say one. that like I specifically put him in situations to tell me his life story, but that yeah. because there were things that he had not dealt with, um, as far as I was, as I uh, considered, those things came out in really like toxic or harmful ways. And I couldn't help but notice that because I'm always concerned um, with my own safety, emotional, yeah. physical, mental. And when I saw things that came up that would possibly threaten that, I asked myself why, and I asked him why. Yeah. And um, although that still is, to me, a very normal behavior, I realized that um, asking that of someone who's not ready to share is a problem. That's and being works. in a relationship with someone who's not willing to share is a problem for yeah. me. I heard, I don't know who's, who the hell said it, but you cannot force somebody to know who they are Mm. yeah you can't you really can't said that you cannot force it because that is the worst thing to do because mm. they will never know who they are because they're consistently they haven't got there yet right yep so you're trying to force them to get there and it's like baby i haven't got to well, chapter five yet the prologue so me trying to i was so sure that i knew what i was doing um it was yourself. yeah i was like oh well i know how to get you there that's no problem because i want to be with you and i and i know what's stopping you so let me help you get there and we'll be happy and that's not how relationships work um they are two-sided in every and so yeah. it can't just be like oh i'm at 60 you're at 40 or you're at i'm at 70 you're at 30 i'll get you back up here you know like it has to be we are <laughs> to use a biblical or antiquated term equally yoked you mm -hmm. absolutely need to be same spot mentally and emotionally. Right. Um, and that doesn't mean you have to have the same expressions of the self or the same expressions of your emotions, but that you yeah. actually need to be able to do what needs to be done to maintain that relationship and address the problems. Otherwise, yeah. you're kind of just sweeping them under the rug for the sake of some good sex and cuddling. Yeah, and that's some people just be wanting to do it. I'm like, it's more to that. Right. But I mean, if that's what you prefer. If that's what you and that person signed up for, for those shit by all means, but relationships. Unfortunately, that's not me. Period. Always. Period. Always. <laughs> I, want, I know when let's get off this topic of relationships and, Please. you know, that's. I'm just and let's get into like career stuff, you know? You are a thespian. Yeah. I recently yeah. um, seen the, my first screening of Thank The you. Souls of Black Pebbles. I'm so glad you went. I was thoroughly impressed by you. 
Really? I yes, I thoroughly was impressed by you. I think seeing you on screen and seeing you first of all on the big screen girl. Now I was like, Oh, I ain't seeing my sister on no YouTube right now. I'm seeing her on in a, on a on a flat screen on a projector. Um I really of you and I know how much work you put into everything that you do, i.e. me and you rehearsing with that. Yeah. So yeah. how how was that for you? How has how what is the pro how was that process Black Pebbles? Because I know we've talked about your journey with the shows that you've done in the past and all of those things. What made this different than the shows that you did before? Well, I, I first want to make sure I'm to stop to say thank you very much for going. Um, I, I was not able to go myself, um, so I did not see myself on the big screen, <laughs> which I think was probably good for my own uh, anxiety. Yes. Um, but I'm very glad you enjoyed it, and thank you so much for your praise. Um, uh, making that film was different, uh, number one, because I was um, the lead. Mm. Um, the plot is centered around uh, Omar's experiences and um, I was given the opportunity to portray Omar and I hadn't been a lead in that capacity since like high school I want to say I guess it would be college but this was like like Omar narrates some of these experiences um, and so and to be a main character in that capacity as in like the um, center of the story yeah that was the first time since high school um, and I was excited, right? Like I'm only 26, so I'm only about 10 years removed from my high school experience. But nonetheless, it was a grip ago. Yes. And it was revisiting that feeling of like responsibility. Um, and it is not a like, you know, comedy. Even if there are comedic moments, it's a horror film um, and one of trauma. And uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I had to dig into the deepest and darkest parts of myself to hit that uh, because I would think I would be a little pretentious to tell that. <laughs> uh, but yeah. yeah, I mean, like I, I had to put myself in it. Like I was, I mean, I was treating those things as if they were real in the moment and it mm -hmm. did not dealing with police brutality is not a good feeling. Um, and this film was one of the more dark things that I've done. It wasn't the only thing I've done that has put me in the sort of like um, the headspace of a person who's not necessarily like happy go lucky. Um, but every time you do it, it does force you to sort of tap into your own experiences um, and not directly like, right. It's not like, okay, I'm in this, there's a scene with the police and it's not like I'm yeah. thinking of a time when I had with the police. I haven't had any negative run-ins with the police in that way. Yeah. Um, thankfully. Um, so I sort of took, experiences where I felt that way and applied it to that situation. And then it was heightened by the fact that we were simulating it. And I will say that that caused me to go home some days and just sort of have to like <clears throat> breathe through it. And after filming, that was a good time for me to sort of recuperate. I hope that answered your question. No, it did. I mean, you, you became Omar. I think that's what actors should do is they take, their craft serious and you have to become the character that you um, are portraying so that it is com so that we are convinced that this is not you know that am I still moving am I good no you froze oh uh, <laughs> okay <laughs> um as far as 
that show, um, I'm really proud. I want to just one more time. I'm like really proud to see you in that space in that capacity. Um, are you looking at any opportunities in New Orleans to? Um, I came here with every intention of looking for opportunities in New Orleans. Um, I have not actively sought them out, um, not yet. And uh, Victoria Monet made a tweet the other day about passion being a feeling and that um, creating out of passion, you should sort of be creating out of discipline. Um, And I'm at a hard spot with that right now um, because... I am in whole asking myself what I want. I know that I've said that. That's like truly the theme about where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering how my creative life fits into that, which doesn't mean I won't act. I don't think I can live in this life without acting. Um, but it is not what I'm not jumping for an opportunity right now. Yeah. Um, and I want to, when I do the next one, I want to do it. Like, I want to be there. I want to be present for it. I want to be that girl. <laughs> I want to be in it. Yeah. Um, I, you asked me this question. I want to ask you this as well. Um, what has been the most challenging and rewarding part for you being a, as a podcaster or being a part of this, this, this platform? Um, the most challenging part, I think, is that... Um, we can be transparent, sis. <laughs> All right, because I can tell you too. We can do it. All right. I think the most challenging part has been um, executing. Um, I think that's why I give you so much praise for it because historically that's the part, like executive function has been the part that I struggle to be consistent about. Um, mm-hmm. There are so many ways that I can naturally show up and just like, you know, jump out there. And uh, when I'm enthusiastic about something, executing um, yeah. feels easier because i can do it in a in like a spurt but much like victoria monet said that's a feeling and going off of that feeling is not reliable um nor will it really get me anywhere um so i've had to um really uh interrogate my relationship with discipline because of the show and then life changes so that discipline either has to be solid foundationally or um, you've got to know exactly how you're going to bend and flex it uh, as life changes. And yeah. because I've moved, I think that now we're in a period where, like, I'm like, you have, you, you absolutely have to yeah. figure it out because things yeah. are changing. You have made a decision for things to change in your life because you yeah. could still be where you were two months ago. And, you know, you wouldn't be going through these changes. Life wouldn't be changing so drastically for you. But regardless of what kind of change, it was always going to change in some way. And you need to be able to do this thing while that happens. So that's been the challenge. Um, I think the rewards outnumber the challenges. Um, We have met and interacted with some amazing people. Um, Most of what has come out of this um, I want to say everything, right? Like, I feel like, it, is yeah. it okay for me to say everything that's come out of this podcast has been positive, has been rewarding? I think so. I mean, yeah. what if, do you think there's anything that's been not rewarding that's come out of this? Uh, no, I think yeah. in the beginning, I used to be like, oh my God, when is it, when am I going to get that groove or when am I going to, like, I think when it was, the, I think the hardest part was when I was by myself. Yeah. Um, and that was before you um, became a primary co-host. But I think that, even at that time, I still had people with me, right? I 
glad the show was still moving. I think just having this on me, not saying on me because like I feel like I've definitely like I'm very like you said I am very like when I this is me. I know how to when I want to execute something I know how to execute it. I know the plans and all that. But I think I I have imposter syndrome, yeah. and I think one of the challenges for me is believing that I am doing something good. Um, mm. And that this is something that I should be uh, like, I get giddy or I get weird when people ask me questions about the platform. I, I, I don't know. I think I'm still like, discon- it's like, I'm not, what is it? Like, I'm in, like, I'm not derealized. I'm derealized. I don't know what the word is. Like, I'm just like, kind of like in this, I don't know. So I think one of the challenges is like accepting for me, the, the stuff that um that, that I'm actually doing great work, but the reward is like bitch, your action, your resume. We have a resume. Mm. Yeah, no, we absolutely do. <laughs> we have a resume. We do. I forget that sometimes we put in so much work into this. It's just like you're going to have a resume. You we are, yeah. You so, forget when you don't get the the results that you dream of, right? Like, yeah. it's not as if we haven't gotten results we have, that are favorable or that we want, yeah. but, like, we always have this sort of expectation or this dream, this wildest thing, and when we don't get that, we think that the work we've done is insignificant yeah. or that it isn't as important as it is. But, yeah, we have, like, we didn't waste our lives the last two years doing nothing. Like, these are yeah. things that we can write down that we've done, that we've executed, that we've shown over consistently over the last two years that we are capable yeah. of doing. Um, and so that's another thing. I think that's another reward. Yeah. What has been your favorite episode or what is, who has been your favorite guest? I feel like I know who it was. It is sometimes. I don't want to say it. I think. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> well, you know what? Cause I feel like I knew you were going to ask me this question when I asked it to you and I had an answer for them, but now I feel like I've got two and I can't separate those two. So if you want to guess what those two are. Okay, can, but I've got two. Oh, the first one, David Jobs. Yeah, the first obviously. one, right? Okay, <laughs> the first one. Ooh, I don't know if it was Ari. Oh my God! Or... Look at you. That's it. Those are the two. <laughs> so obviously, David's um, episode was really transformative for us um, because David has this incredible gift of helping people see the light in their lives um, Mm -hmm. or like he's just really great at motivating or helping you like remove the sort of like mental obstacles you put up. Um, He's one of those people that I know can imagine um, in a way that is actually fruitful that brings, uh, you know, things together and connects people in a really beautiful and tangible way. And he's so insightful and so thoughtful. Mm -hmm. Um, I could sing David's praises every day. Um, Also, sorry. No, go ahead. And you've also still like you're a part of his Dragon Slayers. Like you are like right. have built a actual like friendship yeah. with David. Yeah, know? yeah. And that um, is something that is beautiful. And he's like a mentor to us. Like we exactly reach out, he gives us the constructive feedback, he gives us our praise and our flowers. And I think you've you've utilized that relationship so beautifully and it shows when you use this platform when we how we use our platform and how we can develop relationships and expand our own experiences what is happen like you and david are like you're our friends like y'all can text each other and like call each other and we do so that's 
that's the thing is like, you know, I randomly fought, like I was in Clubhouse because I had a friend that was there and I was like, oh, he's in this room. And what they were doing in Dragon Slayers was so beautiful to me. Um, just like uplifting each other and talking about, you know, what they were encountering. And this was during the heat, like the, the heaviest part of the pandemic. And so we all needed that sense of community. And naturally, um, David interacts with really genuine and pure people. Um, and so being able to uh, indulge in that was great. And then being able to become a part of the the uh, co-host for the co-moderators, um, I didn't see that coming and it just happened. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. Like I, I did guest, you know, for like a month or something or maybe it was a week. Yeah. And then now it's like, oh, cool. So now I get to interact with these beautiful and great and wise um, and smart people every mm -hmm. Friday at 9 a.m. on Clubhouse. Uh, Come Dragon on. Slayers. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, like I was really surprised because like David kept in touch. Um, I don't have to hound him, you know, like yeah, no. this is a genuine like relationship, a friendship between I mean, like this man really is like my brother. Um, and so. I'm super blessed. Um, I think we are super blessed to have met yeah. um, him virtually. And then for that yeah. to actually have uh, physical consequences. That was great. It was beautiful. Oh. And then Hari, I just, you know, Amazing. a mind, honey. <laughs> it was, it was, I felt, I think I have never felt so in my prime than in that episode. Yeah. interestingly enough and i'm sure that there are so many moments ahead of us where the same can be said but something felt really in the zone about that um and i think i was really grateful that their episode was just really really specific like it was it was insightful and i thought that they had so many profound and beautiful things to say about the human condition in their novel um and i was really excited to dissect that and we got so much of their time they were so generous yes. so generous Yes, I, I really, in so many episodes, I just look at the people and the time that they gave to us, and I think that is so memorable and honorable. Um, my last question is, how do you manage the show with your professional and personal life? Hmm. Um, this show has always been one of the most important things to me. Um, and so to, I try to give, I try to gauge what, flexibility you have while also honoring that it is the most important thing um happening for me now or like the most mm -hmm. constant most consistent important thing happening for me acting gigs for people even who do it professionally like primarily you know if you're not beating freaking pavement every you know day they're not coming to you um consistently you know they're not some surefire job you have this is the way the industry, um, entertainment industry works. Yeah. So outside of, you know, what I'm doing for work, this show is the thing that I've done for the last two years. I haven't been this committed to something since college. Um, this consistently committed to something since college, right? Like yeah. acting, you can say, but again, every couple months sometimes with those opportunities. Sometimes it's a drought. Sometimes the opportunity is, you know, once you get to that level, that's Yeah. There are times when yeah. this is the only thing that I'm working on. I was unemployed and this was the only thing that I knew I had, like I had going on. Yeah. Um, Same. And... <laughs> Same. <laughs> girl, we both, we were sorry, girl, girl, I knew You know, was, like a, living on a prayer, girl. And I remember shooting and I'm just like, girl, we, we smiling, but when we get off the camera, we like, eh. 
And I mean, honestly, this has put out the most results. I mean, like you, mm. I can say that tangibly, if I've met this number of people, these people, people I consider a part of my tribe or a part of yeah. my network now, you know, yeah. or this is the information I picked up. Oh, I remember on this episode, this person said this. Yeah. Oh, I got to look at OBO for a good two hours. And <laughs> that was truly one of the most remarkable experiences of my life. I should put him up there in there too. Uh, side note. Can we can we be honest real quick? Let's let's get comfortable. Let's get comfortable. Girl, I had to control myself last week. <laughs> I cannot the believe way, how fine that man is. The way that you fucking giddy was so giddy Girl. with this man on and off camera was hilarious. And he just like was so he just was like so like comfortable and just like calm. And I just was like, oh my god, girl. Like it was so he was he was he was amazing. For, I was going through I the clips of that. that, and there were these moments either when I was deep in thought, so I looked like I was mad, and I absolutely was not. Like I just yeah. for some reason my deep in thought face looks like. Irritating. Oh, mine's is the same. Mine's the same. I'm literally like the my relaxed face or my thinking face. I'm literally like. Yeah, as I was looking, I was I'm like, like girl, I, "Why you look like you got an attitude, girl?" I get it, but yeah, I'm on my this, same face as my resting. I think I was lit, so I was trying to really like oh. stay. <laughs> so that was number one. That motherfucking Fat Tuesdays had a bitch on. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so I was trying to concentrate because there was that moment where he was like, "Is that same for you?" And I was like, "Huh?" <laughs> I was like, "What?" And that was because in the second before, then I was like, "Girl, you you need to you drink some of this drunk. water because you get a little carried away now." And I'm like, going down. You can bring it on so down." Funny. Because we allow our guests to drink. But have you ever been drunk on an episode before? That one, when we did the live one, I was getting real tipsy on that day. Sam, those drinks you were making, sis. Oh, yeah, girl. Sorry, I'm heavy-handed. I was like, my God. I was fucking zooted. Because I was even looking at the episode. I think you, like, tapped me one time because I just kept talking. And I was like... Like you put your hand on my lap. I was like, oh, that means that we're, I need to stop because I'm, I'm getting to It's you. not what it meant. I probably was just being, oh. <laughs> If we were sitting with each other right now, my hands would be on you. I talk yeah, when I, I, like, I touch I thought on it. Was like, yeah, but no, that, yeah. You were, it's That's okay. Wait, Girl, yeah, so. I, drunk? I, I, ooh. I know when Duran was on. I wasn't drunk, but I was like tripping. I don't know what I, I think I had an edible. Ooh. I, I was like high, and I was trying to get through that episode. And he was like, he being him, and I was like, so yeah, that was I was high as hell. Oh I would God. have to go through the rest of like you know who we had as guests to remember yeah. when else I was drunk. I don't think I have been in a really long yeah. time, yeah. but yeah. the times that I was, child. I was like, ooh, girl, yeah. you. Because even when I was drinking those, I was drinking those, like, those um, things I would get from the, um, the, the, the what's it called, the market. Oh, my God, you were drinking those personals. Oh, my God, it's like airplane. Yeah, I was drinking those personals while we were on the show. Like, ooh. Like a wine. I know. When we first started, that was, those were the times when I was like, and I think it was just because, like, I hadn't kind of gotten into the full mode of like, oh, this show is my responsibility. So I was oh, yeah. kind of like, yeah, I'm going to go in here, sit in here with my friend, my good girl. We're going to sit here. We're we going to drink and we're going to kiki. Yeah, we was drinking our asses off in the beginning in the closet. In the closet, bitch. We'd have those bottles. I would have <laughs> bottles in the room with us. And I'd be like, bitch, 
we gonna talk, we gonna kiss. And we also would have our friends too. So then that yeah. Way. So don't let a friend come, child. I'm gonna really get twisted. We gonna get two motherfucking twisted Tuesday. All right, don't play with me. Okay, okay. So before we close out, would you like to? I know we talked about we gave you our listeners so much about you. And I feel like this was an amazing episode for them to get to know a little bit more about you and your thought process. Do you want to leave our listeners and viewers with any lasting notes? Um, I want to say um, that I feel like um, I am really sort of like transforming right now um, in a way that I, I haven't in a while. I usually know when I'm transforming because of how sort of like unstable things feel internally um and i don't mean that in a bad way um but just in a like you're in a groove sometimes and you're like cool and you like and yeah. when you're like on a forward you yeah. um i feel myself changing and am actively in experiencing that and that is super scary. I've definitely been in that in the last three months, I think three or four months. As soon as yeah. I knew I was moving, I started feeling this way and it's still kind of mm. continuing. Um, and, you know, I think after I get fully settled here, probably after 90 days, I'll feel uh, a little more stable, but I'm embracing yeah. that feeling. And I encourage anyone who makes a decision, um, whether it be to move cost job, to commit, to end a commitment, allow yourself to experience that transition, to really go through it. And it's not going to all feel good. I felt really good in this transition and I felt really bad in this transition. And right yeah. now I'm in this sort of feeling that's kind of like just uncertain and still yeah. in the air. Um, but I'm hopeful about it. And I encourage anyone who finds themselves in this position to experience every single emotion that you can while you're in there. Uh, because I expect that afterwards it'll just be a really gratifying experience. Come on, sis. We're all about the transition. We're all about the healthy transition, the good, healthy. the bad, and the realization yeah. of being, when transitioning, there is some highs and lows. First of all, thank you so much, sister, for letting us get into your life um, in this beat that you have. It's so amazing and gorgeous. Thank Where you. can people follow you on your socials? You guys know that you can find me <laughs> on Instagram at Derwin King. That's D-E-R-W-I-N-K-I-N-G. And on Twitter at Free Negro. That's F-R-E-E-N-E-G-R-E-A-U-X. And you all can follow me on my social medias. My social media is on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Lord Every. That is underscore L-O-R-D-E-V-E-R-Y. And if you all would like to continue the conversation on the podcast's platforms, you can hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at That Black with Joy. And if you would like to write in or be a guest on the show, you can hit us up at our Gmail at That Black Boy Joy Podcast at gmail.com. And if you all would like to see our luscious and glorious faces and just see us cackling with our guests, you can look at you can check us out on YouTube at That Black Boy Joy, where I want to say most of our episodes are there. We're getting to, you know, we're getting up to date, but, you know, just stay with us, like, subscribe and comment and all that stuff like that. But you can see us on all those platforms. And like we always say, uh, please be so in love with who you are. Bye. Hey. I'm talking about the